Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud Aleph in Maseches Bava Kama. Um, over the weekend, some uh, we we lost some some people, and we're going to one of them being the dear nephew of our very own Zalman Dov Leiter, Leil Nishmaso. We're going to learn for the strength of all those families, for the strength of all those people, Archein Kol Beis Yisrael. Whoever difficult it is to get up and uh, and be part of this, we're going to take all, whatever schus there is in that and in our learning and give it for all of Klal Yisrael. Okay, five lines up from the bottom of Yudam and Beis. What are we talking about? So we had another Mishnah. The Mishnah said an interesting thing. Oh, this is this is something, Phil. This is something a little bit in your in your wheelhouse. Okay, <laughs> you you got. Uh, well, you, you only deal with kosher shechted animals, okay? But in the parallel universe of the nevelas, right, those animals have some value, right? You could sell it to the other, to the other slaughterhouses or whatever, right? Nevela has some value. So we are learning about Vakama, and we're learning about an ox that gets gored, and now you've got pieces of nevela, right, like a dead ox, okay? So just to bring us up to date as to what went on over the weekend, so... So we're gonna, I'm going to be Mazak Barry, because I was Mazak him on Friday, I'm gonna continue again again, because I, didn't sh- I wasn't able to make it, unfortunately, on Friday. So, so let's say I'm Mazak you. So my ox scores your ox. Now you got this like dead ox in the driveway, okay? I'm gonna have to pay you for the ox. I'm not gonna talk about, you know, whether it's gonna be, you know, what the exact amount is gonna be, but whatever that amount is gonna be, what we know is that the halacha is that Barry gets to uh, keep that ox. Meaning, whatever value is going to be to the Nevelox, I'm going to have to repay you for that, okay? And that payment that I pay Barry will be reduced by the value of his, right, now dead ox, his Nevela in his driveway, whatever that is worth, that's going to be reduced. That's going to be now given to Barry by me, technically, right? And so if that Nevela is worth $100 and I did $800 worth of damage, so I only have to pay him out of pocket $700 and he keeps the dead ox, okay? So that much we know. Um, so the question we had was, who has, we're gonna talk about two things in, the, uh, in our DAF, uh, and, then, and, then, and then we're gonna go veer way off because we're gonna have Amanda Amar, Ula, is going to say in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, is going to say an opinion, and then we're going to have sort of like seven totally non-related statements of Ula in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, as we sometimes do in the Gemara, totally unrelated to our topic. But first we're going to analyze our topic a little bit, which are two things that you might be familiar with, Phil. Uh, the, one of the things is going to be who's responsible for the storage of this novella in the meantime. Don't forget, we got to bring this novella. I, I don't know why they don't bring people out to maybe they do bring experts out to analyze, but don't forget, if I'm going to have to pay Barry, if my payment to him out of pocket is going to be reduced by the value of this novella, so we have to have a consensus as to what that value is, right? So even if we don't go to court per se uh, in a contentious way, right? We're not we're not fighting chas v'shalom, but we do need to get a consensus as to how much I have to pay him. So the, the, the Besdin is going to have to determine. Somebody has to evaluate it. We need like a, a surveyor, so to speak, right? Uh, a uh, impartial evaluator. So that evaluator uh, sits in the courthouse and typically you have to bring the animal to the, to, to the courthouse. 
So this, this is a process, right? You have to preserve the animal in a certain sense. Uh, in those days, they didn't really have so, so much preservation, but you have to, and so the animal would devalue over time. But somebody has to uh, be responsible for transporting the animal, okay? That also, you have to pay a guy to do that. So who's responsible for that? The mazik or the nizak? This is what we were talking about over the weekend. Like, who's responsible for this, uh, for this carcass and who's responsible for transportation? So that's uh, what we're talking about. We had a mission about it, and we had three psukim. Three psukim to suggest that the novella belongs to the owner. The owner is Barry, right? Barry uh, has is the victimized has the victimized ox. So Barry has has this victimized novella, and the novella belongs to him. So Amale, so five lines up. Amale Rav Kahana, you see it? It's four lines from the end. Um, five lines up, four words from the end. And Yud Amid Beis. Amale Rav Kahana Larav. And the time of the cost of Rav Kahana Right, so the pasuk says lo, right? That it's Barry who has to deal with the nevela, with the carcass, because that's what it says lo. So lo means he has to deal with everything that has to do with the carcass. It's not my responsibility as the mazik. And he says But if not, you would have thought that I would have that that I would own the carcass. Again, I'm the one that really was responsible for this damage. So why should Barry, right? In other words, it makes some sense that since I was the one that did the damage, that any cost associated with dealing with this novella should be on me. I'm the one that did the damage. Why should Barry have to have to cost? And yet we say that Barry keeps the novella and any depreciation or anything that happens with the novella Right, it, it falls on Barry. So why is that? The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that the dead animal should belong and be the responsibility of Barry. So now we're going to explain that according to Rav Kahana, he's explaining to Rav that this really should be understood misvara. The fact that Barry owns it should be understood logically. Why? Because now that we already ruled, right, as Rashi says, three uh, three lines up from the bottom of the Rashi over here in Yudam and Beis, right? Lamazik kashir called me nizko haviyavle bal korchei din nizak. He says bal korchei din nizak. Damar mar yeshiv l'rabos didemi by. But what he's saying is like this: that technically, and we saw this. This is actually um, symmetrical. It's where we left off on Thursday. I can repay Barry if I'm paying him with. We know a mazik has to pay b'meitav sadeu if you pay with real estate. But if I pay with metaltalin, if I pay with cash or with any other thing, with subin, as we said, right, bran, right, then I could pay, then I, there's no mate of, then I could pay him with that as well. In other words, anything that's considered liquid, uh, liquid value, right, is something that is also acceptable for payment. So guess what? A novella, it's not the best, it's not as good as it was when it was alive. But that's liquid, right? In other words, that's like bartering, right? So an avela is definitely something that I could use to pay. So what Rav Kahana is saying is that hashta easily did they come that I theoretically could pay Barry with chopped up pieces of novella. That's like metaltalin, right? That's something that I could certainly give him to as payment for partial payment at least for the damage, right? So since I could do that, and how do I know that? The Amar Mar Yashiv. Right, so now he's quoting Davzain. This is what we learned, right? Because Mar had said in the Brisa, 
Remember we were trying to reconcile the b'risa with our Mishnah? Our Mishnah said, Meitav Sadeu. And then we had a b'risa that said, Yashiv. Yashiv means in any form that you want to pay. So you say, what do you mean? How could you say any form? <coughs> the Mishnah says, Meitav Sadeu. And now you're saying any form. So we were spending time reconciling that b'risa of Yashiv with our Mishnah, right? And we ended up saying that Metalta, then you could pay in any form. And Karka, right? Real estate has to be Meitav Sadeu. Be that as it may, once you say Yashiv, that, what does that teach you? Says the Gemara, Rabba's Shava Kesef, right? Vafilu Subin. To say that when you're, when you're paying Barry back, you can include anything as an acceptable form of payment, uh, right? As long as it's not real estate, if it's liquid payment, then it could be anything, and even brand, Vafilu Subin. So, so is it necessary to teach you that the actual Nevela belongs to Barry? It's obvious that the Nevela belongs to Barry. Why is it obvious? Because again, Barry's got this Nevela in his driveway and I could just say, and I'm certainly not taking it back, right? It, it never belonged to me in the first place. It only always belonged to Barry. And I certainly am responsible as the Mazik to pay him. So of course I'm gonna say, hey Barry, the first form of payment is you get to keep your now unfortunately dead animal and you are going to take that as partial payment. And it's, uh, it's a matter of course, it's a matter of like obvious procedure that that's the first payment that he takes and then I just cash out and pay him the rest of it, right? So once we understand that that's the mechanics of how I'm starting to pay Barry back, so then it goes without saying that he gets that carcass immediately. In other words, immediately upon the death and the hezek of the animal, Barry is now owning this animal, and it is then that the animal becomes entirely Barry's as the form of my initiation of his payment, right? And, and therefore, it's only logical that, that the animal now belongs to Barry, right? So, and anything that would happen from this animal going forward would be under Barry's watch, right? That's like his issue because it's his animal, and it's his animal, even, it, in other words, it was in his animal before it was gored, now that it's gored, it's his animal as a form of partial payment for the hezek that he sustained, okay? So, the question then is, if that's so logical, and that's the form of payment, why do you need a pasuk, the hamesia love? Why do you need the pasuk to tell you that the animal belongs to him? Of course it belongs to him. So you see, that's a very interesting svara that Rav Kahana is saying. He's saying that the very pasuk of Yashiv that describes the form of payment that I'm paying Barry, uh, that it could be in any liquid form of metaphor, including the Vela, that very Pusik should be enough to teach you that the animal belongs to Barry. I would not need the extra Pusik of Amasia low. So what do you do with Amasia low? So says the Gemara, what are you, do, what are you doing with these, with these three Psukim that we just learned over the weekend? So the Gemara, lo nitzcha nevela. That Pusik is teaching you that when it says Amasia low, it's not only that the animal belongs to Barry, but also whatever depreciation happens in this novella, what's called Fras novella, also falls on Barry. So now the Gemara asks, wait a minute, are we sure that everybody agrees that on this Pasuk Mesia Lo, that, that the depreciation of this carcass while it's rotting in the driveway, that that is on Barry, right? So what, what it would mean is like this, right? When I gored the animal, he had an $800 shore. When, as soon as it got gored, now it's a $100, right, novella, right? Then it rots in the driveway a little bit. Now it's like a $25 novella because you only could sell it as dog food. And yet, I only have to pay Barry $700. 
right? Barry somehow eats that depreciation that happened in his driveway, right? So why should that happen? So first of all, that's a machlokas tanaim, the Gemara says. Leim apchas nevela tanaihi. Should say that depreciation is machlokas tanaim. The Tanya, because here's the following price. It says, im tarof yitareif yeviehu aid. What is this? It's, uh, this is homiletics, okay? This is from Shmos uh, Chafbez. This is the case of a Shomer Sachar. Case of a Shomer Sachar, it says that if the animal should be torn to death, again, so what happens? Um, in this case, I give the animal for Phil to watch. Phil, I trusted. He seems very trustworthy. And I pay him. I'm paying him to watch my animal. I come back. The animal is in dead pieces on the ground. I say, Phil, uh, what happened? So Yehu aid usually means witness, as we finally arrived at Aleph Amid Aleph, right? As the Gemara says, Yehu Eidim Shanitra for the onus. Phil has to bring witnesses that it was an onus. After all, you are, right, not responsible for onus, right? We, we're going to talk all about Shomer, we're going to talk about Neva Ve'aveda and what level of responsibility you as a paid custodian have over this animal. But it suffice it to say that if Rahman al-Islam terrorists come and, 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 uh, t- and do something to this animal, that that's not something that you could have controlled, right? You were doing your absolute best. And if you could bring witnesses that that's what happened, so then obviously you will not be liable. Ufater, upater, right? That's what, the, that's what the Brisa says. That's the Tanakama. Abashal Omar Yavi Aduda Levezdin. Whoa, Aduda. What does Aduda mean? It means you have to bring the Nevela to Bezdin. It's an unbelievable thing. It's a machlokas whether Yavieu aid, which everybody in every context would have assumed means a witness, or Abashal does not believe that it means a witness. It means that you have to bring the carcass. Aduda means carcass because if you look, Lebezdin Rashi to Lishumakama Hishavet. To evaluate how much the carcass is worth, this is the third line up down in Yudalf Amdalaf. How do we where do we see the word aduda? In Bracious Memtas, what's that? Yaakov Avinu is giving brachas to his children, and the bracha to Binyamin, it says, how's that word in the Pasuk? Baboker Yeshalem. It says, Baboker Yachal Ad. Okay? So, shalal and ad. Shalal is a carcass. Ad, therefore, in that context, means a carcass. So, even though you see the word ayin dalid, so the Tanakam says it means aid. You bring witnesses that he, and that's how the, that's how Phil, as the Shomer Sachar, is going to be potter. Abishal says no. Yaviyah means a totally different halacha. Okay? It means that you have to bring the carcass to Bezdin, the adudah does not mean aid. Ad means a, the actual novella you bring to the court for appraisal. When? Immediately, right, upon, its, upon the time of death. My love, and maybe that's what the machlokas is. Demar savar, pachas novella, right, so Abashal is going to say that the depreciation is on Barry, Right? So again, Pachas Nevela Denizak means like this. When it says you bring the carcass to Bezdin, it means that the time of death of the animal, let's say at that time it was worth a hundred uh, shekel. 
So then at that moment, that is how much I owe, and you bring it immediately to Bezdin, and it's another way of saying that we timestamp the value of the animal at the time of death. And that is the amount that, and so when Barry keeps the animal, he is eating that depreciation. So as we discussed, right, time of death, it was, uh, when it was alive, it was worth 800. Then at the time that it was gored, and now it's in a vela, a dead animal on the floor, it's worth 100, 100. I only have to pay 700. Because the Pasuk is saying, you immediately bring it you, to Besdin and you determine what the value was at the time of death. So that even though now he, Barry can only sell it for 25, he eats that extra 75 of depreciation. That would be Abishol's interpretation of the Pasuk. That's what he learns from Ad. Okay. Umar Savar de Mazikavi. While the Tanakama holds that the loss, right, is really on me, right? That I have to do the, that I have to uh, be worried about the depreciation. Because according to Tanakama, it's Adim, it's Shomer Sachar, it's bringing proof that it was an honest. It's a totally different topic. So again, this can be very disorienting because you have a Pasuk, Im Tarofi Tarefi Vi'aid, and you have like a real machlokas as to what the entire context of the Pasuk is talking about, right? One is saying it's a Shomer Sachar, has to do with bringing witnesses uh, to prove whether the Shomer Sachar did his proper custodianship, right? Whereas Abishol says no. It's talking specifically about the fact that the depreciation of the animal, like the time stamp of when the carcass is evaluated from. So like two radically different interpretations of what a Pusuk means and what it, the context and what it's referring to. Well, those two contexts, one of those shitas happens to be that Abishal holds that the depreciation falls on Barry. And therefore, right, that's what Abishal's interpretation is. He holds that the... That the that the, uh, right, that the depreciation falls on Barry. And since the Tanakhama thinks that the Pasuk is talking about something totally else, it would stand to reason that he holds that the depreciation falls on me as the Mazik. Says the Gemara, is that how you interpret that, Brisa? Says the Gemara, look, the Chulei Alma de Nizek. No, just because they argue over what the meaning of that Pasuk means, does it not mean that they argue on this point? After all, they could all, in theory, hold that the pre- depreciation of the animal falls on Barry. However, in the Brisa, maybe when they're talking about right, uh, who has the tr- who has the trouble over the the animal, they're not talking about who handles who fo- upon who the depreciation falls, but rather who has to pay for the transportation. Torach nevela, Rashi. Right? So in other words, In other words, the animal is found dead in Barry's driveway. He now has to bring, bring it to Bezdin or whatever to be evaluated. The transportation costs. There's a dude that you pay to do so. Right? Krusty. So, so Barry has to pay Krusty, right, to, to, on the transportation cost. Wow. Is that true? Yes. So we have a support for this. Vatanya. We have a Bryce that says, Acherim Omrim, others say, okay. So usually that means, uh, you know, our Gemara assumes that that's Abashol. So it's not the Chachamim. Acherim Omrim, al Bal Habor, Lalos Shormi Boro. So again, it's a different context, but we're going to say it's a parallel Bryce. That the Bal Habor, 
is the mazik, right? Again, a guy had a boar. He probably should not have had. Uh, we're learning, we're learning babakama, so we're going to learn more about boar. And, and then a mishap happens, right? An ox falls into that boar, okay? So who pays for the rising of the ox, for taking the ox out of the pit, right? You have to pay dudes to get that out of there. So how do we know that's incumbent upon the person who owned the boar? Talmud Lomar, Kesef Yashiv Levalov Vehames. Right? This is actually in the context of a boar, right? It says in Shmos uh, Chafalef, in Mishpatim, Baal Habor Yishalem Kesef Yashiv Levalov Vehames Yelo. Okay? So again, a guy digs a pit. A boar, a, a shore falls into the pit and dies, right? The Pasuk says the owner of the pit has to Yishalem Kesef Yashiv Levalov. He obviously is responsible. He has to pay the owner of the ox. He should return the money to the owner and the carcass, right? The nevela v'hamesi yelo, right? In the context of boar, right? It means that it actually is actually associated, right? This mace, this nevela is associated with the fact that not only do, does the balabor, in this case, let's say me, I'm the balabor, not only do I have to pay Barry back for the damage I caused, but I also have to um, be responsible for the transportation. Right? Okay. Now, in this particular case, um, the Brysa doesn't talk about um, that this is a machlokas, right? But it's just quoting a piece of the Brysa. But the fact of the matter is, that the Tanakama there, so again, it says Acherim Omrim. Acherim Omrim is the second opinion. That's, we assume, is Avashol, that I'm responsible to, li- to lift it out of the boar. However, the Chachamim are going to say that it's Barry's responsibility for that transportation. And is that not the same Achlokas? In other words, that is called Torah Nevela, right? It's a Torah Nevela of boar. So again, I am the one that dug the boar. I'm the one that's considered the Mazik. The boar, the shore, falls into my right pit. And there's a machlokas there. How do you understand the pasuk of Kesef Yeshilu Valav Does that mean that I am responsible for the transportation fees or Barry? Despite the fact that he's the one that sustained the damage, he would be responsible for the transportation fees. So wait a minute. Is that fair for Barry to have to pay transportation fees? That doesn't seem fair at all. So Amalei Abayla Rava. Abayla says to Rava, Hai Torach Nevela Hei Dami. Wait a minute. What are you talking about transportation fees? Let's say that, so, so now Abayah is, is assuming that, let's say, you ever hear of selling something as is, like a property? So how about a shore, right? Let's say I sell an avail, uh, like a beaten up shore that fell into a board. So I'm selling an avail of a shore, a giant ox. Right, so if I sold it as is in a pit, wouldn't you think, says Abayat of Rava, that that would be cheaper than if I sold it uh, outside of the pit? In other words, Barry would pay a zuz for a shore that's in the pit because he knows he's got to schlep it out of there. That's going to take him a full day. It's going to cost some money. As opposed to if it's already out of the pit, that's a more valuable shore. Even if it's the same shore, right, it's a lot less, right, uh, Costs involved, associated costs, and therefore he maybe would pay forces for that animal. You also can't see the damage when it's in the pit as well as you can if it's out of the pit. 
Right. In other words, when you buy as is, just like when you buy a house as is, if you buy a shore as is, Barry's pointing out, like how do you even know what the value is of that thing, right? You're really taking on more risk and therefore you should be paying less for such a thing, right? So, uh, so Abaya is asking Rava, what, what, do you, what would be the case, what are you talking about transportation costs? If Elam at the Bavir Shavya Zuz, you're going to say that it's worth a boar, that this animal is worth only a Zuz inside the boar. The Aguda, Aguda means <laughs> at the edge of the pit, right? Once it's lifted out of there already. Shavya Arba, right? So then it's worth four times the amount. Because it's already, right? You know how much it's worth, as Barry points out. You already took it out. Kitarach, right? So, Kitarach, but the Tarach. So, wait a minute. When I trouble myself to take the, right, I as the mazik, take this animal out and bring it to Barry and say, sorry, f- sorry. So it's actually to my benefit. Why? Because don't forget, this animal's worth, let's say, 10 zuz when it was alive. It fell into the boar. For me, it would cost 50 shekel. It would cost a half a zuz to pay a bunch of dudes to get it out, right? So when it was in the pit, it was worth a zuz if I had sold it. And that means that I would have to pay Barry, again, it's a 10 zuz, sure. I would have to pay Barry nine, cash out nine. But it's only a half a zuz to get it out. And a, and a shore uh, that's been taken out is worth four zuz. So now, again, I'm going to pay a half a zuz to get it out. And then I'm going to give it to Barry. And now it's worth four zuz. And now I only have to pay Barry another six. So in other words, I'd rather pay six and a half zuz out of pocket than pay nine zuz out of pocket. So it would be certainly worth it for me to pay the, the, 50, the half of Zuz to get it out of the boar, okay? So Abai is asking Rava, right? What does that mean that, that, that the transporting of the carcass? How do you incur it, right? Wouldn't it be to my benefit as the mazik to just simply pay for it? So I'm like Rava, Rava is saying to Abai uh, an unusual thing, lo tzricha, there's no difficulty. The pasuk you still, in other words, the, the question that Abai is asking Rava is why do we need a pasuk to teach me that I'm in fact, right, the one that's going to pay, I as the mazik am going to pay for the transportation costs. After all, right, because it says, according to, right, the acher, which is Abashal, right, it, it's teaching you that I have to be the one to pay for it as the mazik. Says Abaya Tarava, it's obvious that I as the mazik have to pay for it because I would volunteer to pay for it happily because I actually get more value out of it when I pay for it and it's out of a svara that I should be, right? It's logical that I have to pay for it and therefore the Pasuk should not be necessary. So Rava says, no, the Pasuk is necessary. Why? Because we have something called Amazon Prime. Free shipping, right? And because such a thing exists and we have such a thing as free shipping, sometimes, even though there's a tircha and a cost involved with taking the board out of the shore, whatever its value is, is the same value regardless whether it's in the pit or out of the pit. It's the cost of doing business. So sometimes that actually exists. Let's see it inside. There's such a thing where it's worth the same zuz, whether it's in the boar and outside of the boar. And it's for that reason that you need to, to teach you a pasuk to teach you, according to Abishol, that in fact I incur this this cost. Is that really true? That there's such a thing as free shipping? Something costs the same inside the boar as it does outside? Yes, the Gemara says in the Amri Inchi, because there's something called in on the streets that they call it Kashur Masa Bazuza, Kashur Bedaver Bazuza. Just like a, a beam in town. That's what Rashi says. Shur Bemasa, 
Shura sounds like shore, but Rashi says in this case, Shura means a beam. So if you're buying a beam on Amazon, just like a beam in town is sold for a zuz, a beam in the field is sold for a zuz. Another way of saying, Barry, free shipping. Okay? That so because the concept of free shipping exists, because of that concept, you need the Pasuk to teach you that even in a case where, you know what I'm saying, in a case where there's tremendous amount of tircha and cost in getting it, so, okay. So then it's logical that I would incur that cost. But because such a concept of free shipping exists, we'll need a Pasuk to teach you that in every case, I, as the Mazik, according to Abishol, would have to pay for the transportation costs. Fine. So now, let's see if this halacha of, right, a Mazik having to pay, right, for the carcass, right, uh, uh, would apply to other forms of Hezek, namely, Ganav and Gazlan. Amr Shmuel, says the Gemara. Ain't shaman lon l'ganav and l'gazlan. Okay, so what, what does this mean? It means the following. Again, if I borrow, if, I, if my shore damages Barry's shore, so as we've already discussed, you evaluate Barry's shore, and that gets reduced from my payout to Barry. And restitution, okay? But if Rahman al I stole, which I would never do, Barry, I've never stole your shore, but if I stole Barry's shore, and then that shore, while it's in my possession, gets damaged, then nobody sits there and ain't shaman means nobody sits there and evaluates it and says, oh, I only have to pay Barry the difference. No, 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 no. You ganav, you stole the shore, you get to keep these pieces of damaged shore. You have to give back Barry exactly what you stole a healthy shore of the same value that he initially had when you stole it from him. That's how it works. And this doesn't have to do with Kefel, doesn't have to do with Dalvehei. Nobody denied it, right? Everybody agrees that, that the sto- so- shore was stolen. Whatever was stolen, he has to get it back. If it gets damaged while it's in the Ghanav's possession, it is, he's just going to have to get a new shore and give it to him. He gets to keep the Nevela and enjoy it because of hate, but he has to give the shore back. So that's what Shmuel is saying. Ain shaman lo laganav lo lagazlan. Laganav lagazlan, we're not just going to start playing this game of evaluating the shore and paying Barry the difference. We just have to return it to him in, uh, uh, entirely. The only case where we start evaluating is Elalin is Zuckin, right? Shmuel is explaining that in damages, so we evaluate it and we reduce how much I have to pay in Nizuckin, right? And now, an interesting halacha says Shmuel vani omer afla shoel. Wow. And I say, that this halacha is true even by Shoel. Wait, where, which halacha? So we'll see. Is Shoel like Nizakin, where you are shaman? Or is Shoel like Ganav, where you just have to pay back something new? Again, a borrower. What would you say, Phil, if I borrowed it from Barry, do I have to give it back exactly the same way? Or whose responsibility is it if it gets damaged while I borrowed it? So let's see. In this case, Abba is Rav. That's a big deal when Rav is moted to Shmuel. He referred to Rav as Abba uh, because Rav and Shmuel argued plenty. But on this, they agreed, right, that, that the Shoal has the same halacha. So it says, Ibailu. So they asked, Hachikamer. Is this what Shmuel meant to say? Afla Shoal Shaman Vabba Modili? Odil me Hachikamer. Vani Omer Afla Shoal ain't Shaman Vabba Modili. Right? This is an ambiguous statement, <laughs> right? Because Shmuel says that for God of a Gazel, you have to return it exactly the way you found it, right? And then he said, and, 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 and for Mazik, you, right, we're shaman, right? We evaluate and we only pay the difference. And then he says, Afla Shoel. Well, we don't know. Does Afla Shoel mean that it's like a Mazik and you evaluate it and pay the difference? 
or and Rav agrees to that, or it doesn't mean that no, after Shoal, you return it exactly like it was, and it, that, it is that that uh, Rav is moded to. Is ambiguous. So says the Gemara. Let's see if we can figure it out. Tashma. The who governs Shoal now? Phil borrowed an axe from Barry. Tavre, and it broke. Also, look, I made the Rav, and he brought it before Rav, and he says, uh, "What do I have to do? Give him the broken pieces of of axe." And pay him the difference. So Amalei, so Rav said to Phil, Zil Shlemlei I said, no, you can keep your broken pieces of axe. Go to Home Depot, buy him a brand new one. Oh, Shmami no, ain't Shaman. Sounds like that, that Rav holds, get him a new one. Right? We do not evaluate like we do in Ezekiel. Rather, it's like a Ganav, right? You borrowed the axe and Barry, and you have to therefore give him back exactly what you borrowed. Says the Gemara, Ah, the Rav, no. Maybe that incident could prove the opposite. How could it prove the opposite? Seems very explicit. So the Gemara, <laughs> We happen to know that story. We were there. And Rav Kahana and Rav Asi, when that story happened, they said, are you, are you serious, man? To Rav. They said they didn't like that halacha. They thought that it's not true. They thought that's like Nizakin and you are, do evaluate. And Rav was silent, which is like an implicit, right, uh, implicitly, right, um, tacit agreement, right? He implicitly was uh, then overturned. And so they shlugged him up, Shmami Na Shaman. And therefore that very story that you tried to prove to say that Phil has to give Barry a brand new axe um, actually is a disproof of that because the way that story ended, right, we actually evaluated the, the value of the axe. So Itmar, so then we have another opinion. Amar Ula Amar Rebbe Lazar. And this is going to set us off and a whole bunch of halachas from Ula in the name of Rebbe Lazar, right? Shaman Laganav Lagazlin. So they held that whenever you have a Ganav, not only in the case of a, of a Shoel, but even a Ganav and a Gazlin, uh, when if something happens, you evaluate that, uh, that amount and then they only pay the difference. And Rav Papi Amar ain't Shaman. And Rav Papi said, you don't evaluate it. What's the luck at the end of the day? Ain't Shaman Laganav Lagazlin. Then a Ganav and a Gazlan, you have to actually return exactly what they borrowed. But a borrower does only have to pay. So again, you borrow an axe, it breaks, you give back the pieces of, of axe, and you only pay the difference. And that was indeed what Rav Kahana Ravasi said to Rav, that that's what they liked. I, I like the idea of giving back a new one, but Rav Kahana Ravasi say, technically, halakhically, that's not what you have to do. Okay? Wow. So now that we mentioned Ula in the name of Rabbi Lazar, we're going to mention like seven other or seven unrelated halachas that Ula said in the name of Rabbi Lazar, just for the sake, of, as the Gemara sometimes does, for the sake of just wrapping up all these Ula in the name of Rabbi Lazar as follows. Says the Gemara, Bamar Ula, Rabbi Lazar, this is the Gemara, Nida Chavtalid, Shali Shiatsa Miksatsu Yom Rishon, Miksatsu Yom Sheni, Monon Lamin Rishon, what's going on here? The woman, Rachman Salon, has a miscarriage. Okay. So the amniotic sac is emerging partially from her during one day and then the second day over the course of like a 48-hour period. And the question is, when a woman typically has a miscarriage, she's Tomei for a certain amount of time. And then at the end of that amount of time, she's going to be Tahar. And the question is, do you start counting the Tumah from the first day or the second day? Is she Tomei the first day? Says the Gemara, Moni Melarishon. Yes, she is Tomei the first day. So the Gemara, Amalei Rava. So that was the halach of Ula in the name of Elazar. So Rava says, "My daitech lechumra." What you trying? You think that that's a chumra? That even though, as soon, even though, in other words, as soon as the amniotic sac begins to emerge, you're going to start counting her. You made tumah. So you think that that's a chumra? As soon as you see a little bit of amniotic sac, you're going to consider her tamei chumra. Dasu dekulahu. 
you know, if that's when you start counting, so then at the back end, where she becomes Tahar, that becomes a Kula, right? Because after all, if you started counting on the second day, there on the back end, there'd be an extra day of Tuma, where you're going to already consider her Tahar, because you counted from the first day, right? The Kamitaris, Lamid Lamirishon. Because you started counting on the first day. Elahama Rava, Lachush Chosheshes, Right, that really is just a chashash, which is to say, basically what he's saying is you're going to count both of them a chumrah. You're going to consider it as if she's tummy in the first day out of a chashash, out of a concern of possibility that she's tummy. And mimna lomimana l'sheni. But the real count doesn't start until the second day. So, out of, so which is to say, you're really machmer on both ends. She's going to be uh, tummy one extra day. So the Gemara, my kamash malan. So why, what is Ula coming to teach us? The Ain by teaching us in fact that she's starting to be Tame on the first day, the Ain makes us shallow below Vlad. Is that what he's trying to teach us? That every time you have a little amniotic sac, there's a little bit of a Vlad in there? Again, she only has the Tuma Yoledes from the time that she actually gives birth. That's why it's a question. When you're seeing a little bit of amniotic sac, you're seeing a little bit of baby in there. Is that what's happening? To Tanina, we already learned that. That's the mission in Chulin. The idea of, right, what is including in an amniotic sac. So now we're getting a little bit of a, of a journey and tour through Shas here. Chulin and Dafayin Zayin has the following discussion with regards to Behema that you could apply to a human being as well. How so? Let's say you have an animal. So, again, if a person shechts an animal, you can eat all the contents, contents, even if there was a fetus in there. Once the fetus emerges from the animal, that, anim, that fetus needs to be shechted if you want to eat it. So the question is, a little amniotic sac starts bulging from the animal. Do you have to shech the fetus inside to eat it or not? That's the question. Says the, the Mishnah, rather, in Chulin, that once you have a little amniotic sac coming out, you can't eat that fetus that was in the amniotic sac because it's not considered part of the animal anymore, right? And just like we have that by a behema that you would have to ritually slaughter shech that fetus, we know that that's the same thing by a woman with respect to the other context of tuma. that once you see a little, a little amniotic sac, you treat it like fetus, okay? Like fetal manner. Wow, so the Gemara, even masnisa, hava amina, right? So wait a minute, if you already learned it in chulin, so we already learned it, right? So wait a minute, hava amina, as we turn to Yudal Alpha and Beis, the yesh makes us shali vlad. So the truth is, what? That maybe some can emerge without any fetus inside it? And maybe what's happening is the mission is teaching you that even though it's true that there could be some amniotic sac without a actual fetus in it, uh, we treat it as a gazer. Once we see partial uh, amniotic sac, you might think that it's a gazera. So that's why we need it both in the mission in Chulin and we also need this, this teaching with regards to the woman, Kamash Malan, because Ula is teaching us that even if part of the sack doesn't emerge without some portion of the fetus, we are still, I'm sorry, that, that, that every part of sack is considered to have had fetus in it, not as a chashash, but rather as a matter of like din. In other words, we consider it halachically like fetus, that it's not a, out of a case of chashash, but that's halachically considered as uh, assumed to have fetus in it. So that's, Number two, that's Ula in the name of Elazar. Now, number three, Ula in the name of Elazar, a third ruling. Ramar Ula Elazar, two lines down. Terrible thing. You have a firstborn child. We know a firstborn child of Israel, you have to give it an pidyon aben on day 30. The question is so now you owe five slime to the Kohen. 
What if Rahman Atzlan, the child, is, uh, doesn't make it to day 30? Do you still owe the Kohen the money? So says the, right, the Alula says the name of Lazar, ain't does not require a pigeon. You don't have to give the money to the Kohen. Bechentani Rami Barchama, this is our first mention of Rami Barchama, Phil. Uh, we'll talk about Rami Barchama over time. He was brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And Shira Schmidtman wrote a, a PhD about him, but it's not for now. Pitoch Shanemar Padotifdeh. The Pasuk says Padotifdeh. That's what it says when it talks about Pidyon Aben. Ach Padotifdeh es Bechor Ha'adam. It says it twice. What's that double Ashon? Yachal Filonichavatakshoshim You might have thought that that means that even if, right, it doesn't make it to day 30, that you still have to do the Pidyon, Talmud Omar, Ach Chilek. However, we have this, you might recall this from Sechas Psachim, the word ach in the Pasuk teaches you that it's limiting. Once it's limiting, it means, right, that it, if it does not make it to day 30, then indeed you do not have to pay, and therefore the hava amina would be that you would have to pay and the pigeon regardless. When it says ach padotifte, it teaches you that no, that if the baby of Rahman doesn't make it to day 30, you do not have to pay for pigeon aban. Continuing our tour of Shas, let's go to Kiddush and Chav Beis. The fourth ruling by Ula B'Shem Ravalazar, This we learn in Kiddush and Chav Beis, you might recall, uh, the animals that are classified as larger animals, um, not little tiny uh, chickens, right? So you could, well, how are you, Konet, right? You're going to the market, you're buying these animals, uh, as Phil does. Um, so you have to, you could do it by mishicha. Mishicha means you'd have to draw the animal towards you in some physical way. I says the Gemara of Mesira. We have a Mishnah that says uh, we learned this Mishnah in Kedushin. Mesira means you'd only have to hand over the reins. You wouldn't even need to actually move the animal bodily at all. But once you hand over the reins and Phil gets the reins, that animal becomes his. So how does Ula say in the name of Laza that you need actual mishicha? Who Kaitana? Because we're saying Ula is consistent with a different Tana. Right? Ula is like the Chachamim. The Chachamim says it's the Meshicha. Oh. So says the Gemara. So that is, so Ula is therefore, because he's consistent with the Chachamim, he's good to go. And that is where he gets that opinion. Fifth opinion. Uh, a fascinating idea that when. Uh, siblings associate an estate and they pass it along, then what they are wearing, right, do we evaluate it? In other words, there was actual clothing that they got out of the joint estate. Do you have to evaluate that and put it back in the pot to re-evaluate the estate? Uh, so they say, yes, what they're wearing, we evaluate. Um, you don't evaluate what's already on their, on their children. Amar of Papa, Pamim Shaf Malaneim Ein Shamim. So we'll, we'll re, uh, resume this tomorrow, right? These are the fifth, sixth, and seventh cases of, uh, of Ula. It is there in the name of Rabbi Lazar, and it is there we'll pick up tomorrow uh, in the middle of Yudal, Fahmed Beis, Bezat Hashem.